boys and girls to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined here once again by the king of the K-Fabe kickflip, Mr. Wex, breaking the loss. And Wex, how are we living today, bud? Living fantastic. It's a nice uh, Cinco de Mayo as we're recording this. Sipping a little brew, and the K-Fabe kickflip is official now. I did a, I made a new trick. Not really a new trick, but... A new trick for me that you don't see often, double kickflip body burial, or some might call it a double kickflip sex change. That's officially the kayfabe kickflip. Love it. That's I ain't really never hand. seen that, and K-fabe I'm trademarking kickflip. it now. I love it. I love to hear it. You love to hear it. Wex, how was, uh, how was your week, man? How, how have things been? Well, things have been pretty solid. Pretty good episode of Dynamite. Uh, yeah. Last night, I guess yeah, at this point, last night, Memphis Grizzlies, Tuesday night. Boy, really fucking good win against the Golden State Warriors. John Morant dropped 47 points. Fucking crazy. Let's uh crazy. Hopefully they can spread a little luck onto the Nashville Predators because they have not been as lucky in the playoffs. Uh, they were down five to nothing in the first period uh, Tuesday night, and they're going to be playing here in about an hour. So hopefully we can have some good Tennessee mojo to swing on over to the Preds. Good Tennessee mojo indeed. Uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. Today's episode, today's meat and potatoes of the episode is uh, WWF's In Your House, Revenge of the Taker from 1997. It's going to be going up against this past weekend's New Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Dontanku. And um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. It's me and the patron saint of the rock block, Mr. Jesse Baker. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Um, but before we do, it's my favorite segment of the show. It's Wexley spills the tea. Maybe a little bit of Lipton. Maybe it's brisk today. I'm not sure. Maybe some Snapple. Maybe some Sobe. Give me some. Nah, tea we're going. Nah, 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 nah. We're going straight Arizona today. Oh, Arizona. I'm good with that. I like it. I like it. 99 cents for like Arizona. a two by four. I'm gonna Can't. fill you up a, a nice 99 cent, 24 ounce of Arizona right now. Mm. And we're gonna get right into it. Pretty much the day after we recorded our last episode, WWE is at it again releasing a whole bunch of fucking people. I mean, yeah, you hate to hear it, especially Dakota Kai. That was the only one that really stood out to me. That was like, really? And then Harland, obviously, because like they had just, they'd rep so like pumped up that signing so big. And then just to do nothing with him, I don't know. It just feels really lame, especially like, I feel like the potential matches that him and uh, maybe... Uh, Gable Stevenson could have would might make sense. You know what I mean? Like they could kind of do that MMA style, that amateur wrestling style thing. I don't know. Um, nobody else really like uh, hit the funny bone for me though. What about you? I mean, notable other notable ones: Malcolm Bivens, aka Stokely Hathaway, probably one of the best managers. Period. Round because sure. you know, no one really masters the art of being a manager anymore, and he's great at it. And Dexter Loomis, I feel like that was a pretty significant name because a couple of these guys were like on TV current storylines and then they're just fucking gone the next week. Uh, yeah, it is weird. It's weird. How and they, apparently the writers have production has no clue about the releases. So they're, you know, writing TV, like, you know, business as usual. And then ne- next thing, you know, one of the dudes in your main storyline is just fucking gone. And yeah, it's crazy. Cause they really hyped a uh, Harland or Parker Bordeaux, Bordeaux, right. whatever his real name is. Yeah. They were like, he's mini Lesnar, the new Lesnar. They were kind of hyping him up. And then just to get rid of him, I thought he was, Basically, one of the pillars of NXT 2.0, one of the leading guys yeah. they were trying to go with. But shit, doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I mean, that's it's WWE. probably an expensive contract that he wasn't fulfilling on the field. Uh, who Maybe. knows? They say budget cuts, even though they just announced their quarterly earnings and you know made a fuck ton of money. 
Yeah, you know? I know. I, I I own stock in WWE, so I, I know all about oh, that. Okay, I see where you're going. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, something that I'm actually pretty excited about coming up, Cody Rhodes is going to appear on the Broken Skull Sessions, the Stone Cold podcast that comes on the network now on Peacock, and that should be pretty interesting because they're going to see if Cody, you know, is he going to go raw? Is he going to let it all out or is he going to keep it WWE style? I mean, I think both. I think that I think that, you know, this is Cody's Cody is, quote unquote, back home now. I mean, now it's he's in WWE. I'm not saying I mean, I don't know. I don't know where he ends up. I think that's the most intriguing thing about Cody is that, like, I could easily see him going back to AEW at some point. Um, I could see him just retiring in WWE at some point. So um, I think he's just going to do what's best for Cody, which is smart. I mean, um, so I think he'll, he'll probably play it by the book. But I mean, they're obviously going to talk about AEW. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and they had Chris Jericho on Broken Skull Sessions while he was contracted he with AW. AEW. Yeah, he talked that's like about, all they really talked yeah. about for a little yeah. bit of it. But one thing uh, that I'm not excited about is this upcoming pay-per-view this weekend, WrestleMania Backlash. It's literally all WrestleMania rematches. And again, only thing I'm looking forward to is Rollins, Cody and AJ and Edge, because I'm hoping that AJ and Edge can make up for WrestleMania, have a little bit better match, and then Cody and Rollins can just bust out another banker. Because there's yeah. literally not a world title match on the fucking card. There's nothing to really be excited about. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's it's just Rollins and Rhodes. I feel like that. Rollins, Rhodes, too, is the only thing that I'm remotely excited about. I feel like everything else I'm just going to kind of like skim through. Uh, Edge and AJ has a lot of potential because they kind of interjected Finn Balor into the storyline there a little bit. this past yeah. on Raw. So maybe we can see a little something cool there because Finn Balor, another one of those great WWE wrestlers who has just fucking underutilized him and buried ever since he had that injury. I mean, if they're not going to put, if they're not going to put AJ in the main event title picture, I don't see why you don't put AJ and, and Balor together, run that gimmick as a great tag team. I mean, they could have some killer matches. Mm, um, lots of history. The two OG first two leaders of bullet club, you know? That's yeah. Plus like a, there. an impending like Usos feud between those two guys. That'd be sick. The, the yeah. matches would be really good. No doubt about it. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, so former WWE writer and movie star Freddie Prince Jr. of the classic Scooby-Doo live action uh, is going to be starting his own promotion that he says. Uh, he came out, had a little interview about it. It's on his podcast, and he's really – he's all in. He wants to start his own promotion. What do you I think mean, about that? I mean good for him. I think if – listen, he's got – I mean he, he, he did the job. I mean he, he, knows, um, he knows what to do. He worked under Vince McMahon, and I, I feel like if you're going to promote – um, and you worked under Vince McMahon, that's definitely a plus. At least, you know, you know, have some kind of idea of how the business runs. I, I mean, I don't obviously like, I don't, I don't know what, I know that he worked as a writer, but I don't know what exact storylines he was involved in. I'm not sure if he ever wrote anything worthwhile, but he, maybe he wrote some great angles. I'm not sure. Um, I'll watch it, you know, we'll cover it on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, hope I wish him well. I mean, I honestly want more wrestling, so why not? More, more companies. I like it. Yeah, and maybe it'll kind of be like one of those, like, like a PWG type indie where they just have big yeah. names, big matches, but it's not necessarily, yeah. I don't know, like you know, storylines like you know, AEW, Ring of Honor, WWE. Maybe something pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of former WWE superstar John Morrison, aka now I said aka now I fucked that up, but John Morrison <laughs> is now going by Johnny Game Changer, making his ga- debut for GCW May the 29th. So I don't know if we're covering that show, if that's on the docket, but that might be pretty cool because you know he's a fucking great on wrestler. May the 29th. Been, yeah, May the 29th is that I one? Is that on the docket? Are. 
I believe that's the one. Then are. that's the one. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I don't know who he's going to face, but yeah. And that one's the, actually, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'll say maybe the likes of somebody like Ninja Mac. Hmm. Maybe that, but that, that GCW show is going up against double or nothing. So that's going to be a hell of a show. Ooh, sure. That is going <laughs> to yeah. be a hell of a weekend. God damn. Yeah, I'm super excited about that, man. It's going to be really, really exciting. And uh, I strategically mentioned Ninja Mac right there because it just announced Ninja Mac just signed a one-year deal with Pro Wrestling Noah. And he's going to mm. be like one of their top gaijins over there. And uh, I think it'll be pretty sick because he's awesome. awesome. I've watched a few clips of some of his matches in Noah, and I feel like that's going to be nothing but positive for him and Noah. Yeah, definitely. It, I mean, again, it's uh, I think it's a good thing to have some of this talent spread out. I mean, you can't have everybody in AEW. I think we're already seeing that. I really hope that Ring of Honor as a second brand really works out well for them and they can actually spread out some of the talent they have signed. Because, I mean, they have, I mean, they still have guys that just aren't, like, aren't getting any TV time at all. Um, I mean, they have Miro, who's been just, you know, nothing's going on. Brian Cage, nothing's really going on. Um, Kip Sabian, nothing's really going on. Uh, I mean, he's been, he's been healthy for months. It's, it's, they got a lot of guys that they're not really doing a whole lot with because they don't. They just can't. And I, I, I don't know. I, I hope. I hope it all works out. I, yeah, hope. I really hope that uh, ROH stuff you're talking about, like at least turns into like a streaming deal, or at least like going back to how they used to be on like local fucking TV late at night, like anything. Honestly. Oh no no! I, I, mean, I don't mind. I don't mind if it's a YouTube. I I think I genuinely think they should make Ring of Honor. Like all dark and elevation should all become one two hour long show and it's just ring of honor. It's a two hour long show and it's YouTube, but they just do it in Orlando, the same place they do dark and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I agree. I would not be opposed to that. And, you know, all the all the like you said, all the people, all the different companies are working with. They could probably send some guys to do some new Japan shots, maybe yeah. some impact. We saw we saw W Morrissey, William Morrissey, a.k.a. Big Ass, Big Cass on Dynamite last week. He's a impact star so maybe you can see some more stuff like that and with all these companies there's one person who is not ever going to work for any of these companies ever again and they're never going to work for the promotion they just had a falling out with wow and i'm talking about tessa blanchard which you probably could have guessed because she's just goddamn can't get along with anybody anywhere it doesn't matter where she goes apparently the only place she's going to be able to work now is mexico like that's it well, she's what burned all the bridges what, what happened who did she uh, She apparently was doing some training for WoW and like going to work for him, and she was just like doing her classic bullying bitch bullshit while she was training people and being an asshole, and everyone complained. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I think that the whole Tessa Blanchard thing could be fixed if it was addressed properly, um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I could, you know. I think she's. I think she has a lot of talent. It's. It's sad that like I'm not going to see her wrestle on TV, but I don't think that like her talent is going to be greatly missed. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, just it's just one of those cases of attitude and ego right. versus you know skill, which some people can overcome. That their skill is just so fucking good they can act like that, but she's just not quite that level to where she can get away with it. Definitely not. Definitely not. And especially not that her name is devalued so much as it has from that from that reputation. You know. Yeah. She is still has the right of being the only female Impact World Champion of all time. So, but I think Jordan Grace can probably take that slot here soon. I think they could maybe push that. I don't mind that idea. That'd be a nice angle. Uh, random as hell, AEW has a class action lawsuit filed against them uh, for allegedly violating the Americans with Disabilities Act, claiming that uh, shopaew.com isn't accessible for visually impaired people. And I'm like. 
it's a fucking website. I don't think any websites are made for visually impaired people. Zoom in on that bitch. You know, you can zoom in on your screen, make it bigger. Someone's just being an asshole and nitpicking here, clearly. What? Yeah, a this is real. It's a straight-up lawsuit. lawsuit, yeah. The Americans with Disabilities Act. Like, wow. dude, zoom in on your browser, dude. Wow, that's a little crazy. That's um, Get your buddy to come tell you what shirt to order. I, like. but, but if it's class action, that means there's multiple people that are in on this, which is it's, really strange to me. But It's probably an anti-WWE, you know, like anti-AEW thing. Oh, like, so yeah. I'm guessing yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a stupid little thing, and what are they going to do? Like, make them change their website? Like, pay these people money because... If anything, some people should be filing a lawsuit against pro wrestling tees for that security breach they didn't tell anybody about. If anything, yeah, not yeah. something so minuscule and stupid like no, this. I totally agree about that. Yeah, that's a little uh, little shady there, guys. A little shady there, guys. A uh, little bit shady is uh, how I would describe the communication between uh, Marco Stunt, Joey Janela, and the AEW offices. Their contracts were coming up to expire, and apparently another person has fallen victim to this, but they didn't have the communication issue, but – their contracts expired and they're no longer with the company. Someone very surprising, Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. Really? Yeah, his contracts expire. He's off the website, off the roster page, and apparently they couldn't come come to an agreement. Like they actually had negotiations. So I don't think the door is quite shut for him to just like maybe come back. They can figure something out, but he's done. He's he's off the website, and they said his contract is done along with Jack Evans. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but I Stu mean, Grayson, he was he was like a pretty main, he's a mainstay in the Dark Order. That that just kind of doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but the Dark Order is just at this point is just uh, why it's pretty much like, ran its course. It's why? not what it used yeah, to be. Yeah, just let it stop. Just good God, guys. I feel like they made an. I feel like everybody who's in the Dark Order at this point could be straight as their regular tag team or solo wrestler. They've like made them a name for themselves enough to where they could just ride that out. Yeah. No, totally. I completely agree. Uh. Some other weird kind of AEW news. Uh, they have a new reality show coming out on TBS. And it's supposed to be kind of like chronicling just like the backstage stuff that's going on. So it's going to be like BTE, but like re- reality based and like TBS type shit, I guess. But I'm not so sure it's how it's going to be like roast to the top, except just with like all of the, the locker room. Basically, like a little ro- pretty much is how the description I read. It's going to be kind of like rose to the top, but it's going to cover more people than just Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. They have to fill That'd in that good. content, you know. I, I mean, I, I wonder if Cody owns the rights to that Rose to the Top show, like the name. Because, I oh, mean, he does he could, because they're making a – they ha- actually sent out some emails to some AEW thing. If you're subscribed, like vote on a new name, and here's a list of different names we could choose. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like is Rose or is Rose to the Top just going to move to USA Network and like he's going to have his Ooh. own reality. You know what I'm saying? Like season oh, two just comes out there. there. Maybe Cody does have something to do with it. You know? I you mean, that's, know. I mean, if I'm he's Cody, a why not? Man. He knows what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. That, yes. I mean, that dude fought so long to get that last name back that now that he's got it, it's like, yo, like I'm going to do everything I can with it now. Good for him. I think he should. If, if he does have rights to that name, I say try to do season two with, with a different channel. Why not? Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's not any really more like outstanding big news. Uh, you know, if you watch dynamite last night, we got a new ring of honor women's champion. Uh, it should have been Deanna Perrazzo, but it's probably had some, something to do with impact and con- contract stuff that she couldn't win the title because she probably still has to be on impact and they don't want to use her too much because Deanna definitely deserves that over Mercedes Martinez. I'm sorry. Deanna Perrazzo is just a better wrestler. I think, sorry. A She's a technician. Percent. 
I mean, she's yeah, I, I would put her in the top 10 bell to bell workers on earth right now, period, male, female, whatever. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. She should have deserved to get the win there. Uh, but it was just kind of, yeah, just the match wasn't all that because it just wasn't really built up. And it was just kind of like a throwaway. Let's get this title off of her, get it on Mercedes. But I'm, I'm looking forward to the future of the impacts from the division. Maybe they can uh, do a little something, something with it. Yes, indeed. Um, and with that being said, man, that's going to wrap up the news here. So let's get to the meat and potatoes of the show. It's myself and the patron saint of the rock block, Mr. Jesse Baker, covering WWF's in your house. Revenge of the Taker 1997 going up against New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestling Dontonku 2022. Here we go. And here we go. The meat and potatoes of today's episode. We are covering New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestling Dontonku uh, 2022 versus WWF's In Your House Revenge of the Taker 1997. I am... Super, super hype about this one. 97 is my favorite year. I don't cover a very uh, – I actually don't watch very much New Japan Pro Wrestling, so this is a new adventure for me. Jesse, how are you feeling about today's show? Yeah, man. I mean they're both pretty interesting shows in their own right. Uh, obviously loving 97 all the way around, both WWF, WCW, and ECW, which yeah. I'm sure you know everybody gets to a little bit later on. And then that New Japan show, you know, it's it's been a while since I watched one start to finish. It's a little bit of a haul, but, you know, that's how they tend to be. So speaking of being a haul, it's like a bajillion matches on this card. So we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to get kick things off right here with the New Japan show. Uh, and the opening match here is Takamichi Noku, uh, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Bushi Shinto Tachagi? Shingo Tagaki. Yeah, and then Shira Koshinaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, it felt super random, honestly. The pairing with everybody here. I mean, I know like the card kind of got jumbled around due to some COVID issues, but um, yeah, this one really didn't speak to me at all. It felt like, um, and I was kind of hyped to see some Zack Saber Junior stuff, but I really feel like he didn't get very much shine in the match at all. Um, it very much felt like a filler match, which is weird for your opener, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. Probably not a great idea to put this on in the open, but the crowd did seem to be into it for what it was worth, but it just wasn't for me, so I gave it a beer and a half because the crowd did seem to like it. Um, where are you at on it? I mean, Koshinaka is definitely a bona fide legend. This was supposed to be Tatsumi Fujinami, but uh, COVID stopped that, so we get this. And I thought there was some great technical work that spilled to the outside. That's where we kind of got to see Saber shine for the few seconds that he did. And then uh, Taichi's little six-count touch at the end with the Gato clutch I thought was kind of fun. I gave it two beers, but I agree it's very convoluted for an open. And the crowd here we have to keep in mind, Japan still doesn't let them do anything but clap because yeah. of COVID. So right. it's very eerie at times throughout this show. Yeah. It definitely it definitely uh put a, a dark cloud, if you will, over the show. Uh the next match here is Yo versus Hiromu Takahashi. Um and the straight slap fighting in the beginning was uh, like I, I I laughed at it. Like I thought it was funny because it was just uh, I mean, I know that like chops are their thing, but it felt like it's like, you know, when like you watch pro wrestling and guys are trying to chop hard, but like the noise just isn't there. And it just seemed it seemed like they had that awkward miss on every single chop. Like, it, I, like I don't even think it was their fault. It's just like it felt really clunky. Um, yeah, man. I mean, especially compared to like. 
New Japan five or six years ago, like when that strong style thing was like super, super popular, it's like comparing that to this was night and day. Like this felt very slap fighty and not very, um, not very strong style at all. Not very tough. Um, it just, just, some of the kicks were really weak looking too. Um, I don't know the whole, even the bumps kind of felt light. They almost felt like they were rolled into the whole match just felt not great to me. Uh, it seemed like they got, the guys were working hard. The effort was there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, I rated this one the exact same way. I gave it a beer and a half. Um, what did you think about this one? Actually also went a beer and a half. I couldn't agree more on most of it. I, I liked the last like minute or so of the match. There were a lot of really intense counters and things. Mm-hmm. I thought this, given that was the only true back and forth, in my opinion, that the end was really abrupt, but I just yeah. never believed the struggle in this match. Right. Yeah, it's it's like there wasn't enough tension. It really felt more like a dance than a fight. Yeah. Um, so let's go on to the next one. It's Yujiro Takahashi uh, versus Tangaloa. Um, okay, it did feel super 90s with like the open with the hip toss and the spinning body slam after some shoulder tackles. It felt really WWF, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, even but like I. I it felt like it was, it felt like it was straight off. This whole match felt like it was straight off an episode of like the very first version of raw in the Hammerstein ballroom. Like, I mean, down to the, the heel powdering and trying to walk back up the ramp. And it's like, but I feel like that only really works. That style only works when you have a very lively crowd. Uh, that's more of like a sideshow style, a very engaging entertainment, more based match than an actual wrestling match. And it just didn't really work here because the crowd is, I mean, all they can do is clap. So it just didn't, it just, I wanted to like this more than I did. I did think it was better than the first two matches, uh, but it was still a subpar to me. So I gave it two and a half beers, not quite in the middle, still below average slightly. Uh, but that's where I am on this one. What did you think about it? Uh, I went two. I thought that the it suffered from the faction shenanigans in a pretty big yeah. way to me. I thought that the one-on-one had some potential outside of that. Yeah. I agree with pretty much everything else you said in terms of the crowd and things. I, I thought this one suffered much more from the lack of the crowd being able to interact because I do think they were there for a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, I love seeing Tangaloa pick up the win with the little Rikishi driver there. I don't know. I yeah. popped with that. But yeah, it was a it was a two beer for this guy. Nice. Nice. Let's keep it rolling here. Uh, the next match is six or nine versus Suzuki Gun. Was this for the junior tag champs? Is that what That's it was? That's right. Yeah. So um, man, uh, which one is the dude that wore like the, uh, the trunks on his head and like, Oh, the, uh, funky weapon. Yes. Ryusuke Taguchi. Yeah. I didn't like him from the first second time. Like the first time I saw him, like, it was just like, he was such a goof. And then like, he started, he even wrestled kind of like a goof and his facial expressions were real, like eighties hair metal kind of like, yeah, I don't know. He's just, I don't know. It was just a little, a little too hokey for me. Um, I, I, I felt like this whole match was a miss cause it felt like a comedy booked match and the crowd didn't even really clap for that. Um, so I gave it a beer. Um, it just wasn't a whole lot for me. Honestly, guys, like, sorry, I don't have a ton of notes on these matches, but it was just, I mean, the show itself, at least, especially at this point, I mean, we're four matches in and I feel like we've plowed through it, but it's, it just wasn't very interesting. Yeah. I, a lot of it fell flat for me. I like Taguchi. But I like him knowing what he is, which is a comedy wrestler. But you put him in the ring with three other wrestlers who are not meant to be that in a junior heavyweight tag title match. And it kind of falls flat because the comedy spots just don't make any damn sense. And it discredits everybody else. The finish was absolutely ridiculous. There was a point where Taguchi sold the wrong knee 
coming off yeah. of a back body drop type thing where he landed on the foot. And I, I did just, I don't know. It fell flat for me. I also gave it one. Yeah, not great, not great. And we're, like, not even quite halfway through the show yet, which is insane to me. Um, so the next match, after having a junior tag team championship match, they go into another tag team match, which is also not smart booking, in my opinion. Um, the next match is, like, the triangle tag team championship match. Um, I, I will say this, though. I, even though I don't agree with the placement of this match on the card, I think that this, thus far, is the best match on the show. Um, I definitely liked I, the chemistry the, between all all of these guys was significantly more palpable. I feel like, um, the, the, they had a better tempo. They had better pacing. I think chase Owens is definitely has star potential. He definitely needs to do some body work and kind of like figure that whole part of the game out. Um, and it's also wild to me that Jeff Cobb isn't in WWE. Like I, I just feel like he seems like a Vince guy, you know what I mean? Like, and, and he wrestles in that like the main event WWE style. And I mean that in like the best possible way. I don't mean that as like a dig. I mean that like, I feel like he's a, he's ready to be that kind of wrestler. Um, even Fale, I thought had a good showing here and he's really hit or miss to me. Um, but yeah, either way, I felt like it was the best match on the card thus far and slightly above average. I actually gave it three and a quarter beers. What'd you think about it? We're doing this too much, Daniel. Uh, Oh my goodness. Same damn rating. And I mean, Pretty much for me, Cobb is super yoked. I think the main reason he is not in WWE is because he knows that's always going to be there for him. Yeah. You know, and I think he wants to be able to explore this other side of things and wrestle his way and keep his shit and not get wrapped up in that system and eaten alive. And it's probably pretty smart, to be honest, because that's the type of dude. He just got to fight Scott Norton on a New Japan show like last week. And that's pretty fucking cool for a guy that's that size that you can tell probably took a lot of direct influence from a guy like Scott Norton. The, um, in terms of the match itself, I thought it was paced well for a three-team Tongan Tornado rules match yeah. where there's no tags or anything. They, they kept the powders going the right way. Man, Chase Owens looks like potatoes to me, and it stood out like a sore thumb in this oh, particular no. thing where you have these guys that are just like – most of them in pretty decent shape except for Fale, but Fale is like – works like a big man, and Chase yeah. just needs – Chase has got to tighten up, bro. But, yeah. um, yep, three and a quarter. But his work well. is good. His work is good, for sure. His work's stellar. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Potato vibes, straight up. Potato Owens. Let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. Um, the next match is Tama Tonga versus Evil for the Never Openweight Championship. Uh, this one felt like it had more of an American pace, and it did feel like – but it did feel like they never really got into a rhythm. Um, and I do, it, 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 it wasn't like there were any outright botches, but like, it just felt, everything felt just a little bit clunky. It wasn't anything that was like, oh, this move is necessarily bad. It's just like, not quite right. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't, it just didn't feel very good. I did like the false finish with the bell ring though. I thought that was really clever. Um, you don't see it very often. Um, either enough, either, either, either way, it wasn't enough to save the rating for me. Easy for me to say. Um, I gave it two beers. So where are you at on it? Man, any match that you put Dick to go in is going to go over with me. I fucking, you know, I mean, we got two members of Kai and Tai on this show in 2022. What the fuck? It's wild. It's wild. You know, this one starts, it it starts on the ramp again. I thought that there was an inventive use of the microphone here. Uh, The the pacing I agree with. There were a lot of really cool moves, which I think uh, is something that New Japan has kind of steered away from a little bit. They're more in that you know, trade strikes, try and build to a thing. And maybe the finish is cool kind of pacing these days. But I thought there were a lot of cool moves just throughout the match. 
they've protected evil's finish for a long time, but it got kicked out of, which I thought was important. And, yeah. you know, I, that spot with to go ringing the bell, I thought was fucking stellar. I mean, it, it's like, it wasn't a fucked finish because it wasn't the finish. Uh, cutter for the win. I gave it four. I thought the work was very solid. I thought the story they told in the My ring goodness. was good. There was right. nothing I hated. I mean, I, th- I just, I thought all of it, you know, even with the little shenanigans with the bell, I thought that added to it. I don't know. I just really liked it. No, I mean, I, li- I liked, I liked the false finish for sure. I just, I actually thought the, be- I, thought, I don't know. Maybe it was just the environment, man. Maybe the crap, maybe I'm just like so used to a live, like, you know, watching AEW shows and like this ring of honor shows and the, the newer WWE stuff. It's been really hype. Uh, and then to like go back into that quieter setting, it really, really jarred me. Uh, but it just felt like they'd never, like, again, it wasn't like, it wasn't that it was that any big botches. It was just, it felt like not even sloppy. I don't even know how to explain it. It was, it just felt like they weren't, it wasn't something was just off. I don't know. Guess, guess I was the only one, but it is, it is what it is. Let's keep it rolling here. Um, the next match is El Desperado versus Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP junior heavyweight championship. Um, why don't you take the lead on this one, man? what do you think about this one? I thought the back and forth here was really excellent. Just the way that, you know, they started out with a ton of work on the arm. And then that one mistake made by Ishimori to give Desperado kind of a chance to come back, but it Mm -hmm. didn't immediately sway. I thought that's some super old school shit that I really love. Some slower storytelling, but that last few minutes had the complete meat and potatoes of the match. There were lots of trades and counters. Ishimori with the bone lock for the win. Uh, I thought the commentary added a lot to this match. They were able to kind of go into the storyline between the two of them, and, and especially for New Japan, for like American fans, it's kind of important. And without the crowd, it's ten times as important. Right. Uh, I gave it three and a half. Three and a half. Nice. Yeah, I was actually kind of right there with you. Um, a little. I actually gave it a little bit more. Um, I've I've seen El Desperado before, and I wasn't like. I didn't like him as much as everyone else did. So I actually went into this thinking like, ah, all right, well, I'm going to see a bunch of stuff that I don't necessarily like. Um, and they won me over, which is, which is a lot, especially in this environment. I thought this match was very, very good. It's definitely the best singles match on the card for sure. Um, good tempo, great chemistry between the, the, the facial expressions and like the loud selling from both guys helped the environment. You know what I mean? Like they were both were like, like they were both very loud, which was, I think really helped. It was a nice blend of like speed and also like just straight up technical wrestling. Um, and it was very hard hitting too. Like this is where the, I felt like the strong style, like really came back in. I liked it. Definitely best match so far. I gave it three and three quarters. Um, very, very good. Let's keep it going here. The next match is, uh, Tanahashi versus Hiroshi Hiroishi. Yeah. Hiroishi. Ishii. Okay. Yeah. For the vacant IWGP United States championship. Um, Tanahashi's great. Um, I was really impressed with some of the bumps that Ishii took as well. Uh, but honestly, it did feel like their styles clashed quite a bit. Um, there weren't, again, there weren't any um, outright botches in this one, but there were definitely some clunky spots. And it felt like um, Ishii, while he's in good shape, um, he didn't seem gassed, but he, di- he didn't seem as flexible and as mobile maybe as he once was. Um, and that kind of made him a tick slower. He seemed like he was in great cardio condition. He just seems like his body is not quite what it used to be. Um, either way, very, like solid match. I don't have any real gripes about it. So I went right down the middle three beers for me. What'd you think about it, man? I went three and three quarters. I, I thought there was a lot of stiff work, but it felt organic. Like it didn't feel like 
the the classic trade-off stuff as much as the rest of the matches. Um, Ishii laying it in. I kind of enjoyed the Clash in Styles, to be honest. I thought that Tanahashi doing his shit where he appeals to the crowd being his downfall because Ishii gets, you know, the upper hand every time. I thought that was kind of – I thought it was really well done. The crowd was there for it tooth and nail without a bunch of high spots. I mean, you could hear the crowd just pop, 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 even though it's only claps. The vertical drop brain buster, again, a severely protected finish, typically. Tana kicks out, high fly flow. I thought it was a really great build without a bunch of dumb spots, and the final two minutes were really great, so I gave it three and three quarters. That's fair. I do think I – think, I think those final minutes is what pushed it over the edge for me. I, I, I just – Again, maybe it was just where I was coming from on it, um, but I, I also too like the match before had like pleasantly surprised me, and so with this one, it's a Tanahashi match, and he is one of my favorite New Japan guys. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna like this one automatically. So maybe I just had a higher expectation than I should have. Uh, still gave it three beers though. It's not. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't shit on it. Uh, the next one is Okada versus Naito. Um, I am a mark for both these guys. Um, I think that these two dudes. Um, are top tier as far as like established stars in new Japan. Like to me, as far as like new Japan home t- home brand built it guys, like this is the rock in Austin of this era for new Japan. You know what I mean? These two guys are the, you don't get more popular than these two dudes. And I feel like that helped. Um, it definitely didn't quite live up to the hype. I, I, again, I was expecting a little more and I think it was probably because of the crowd. I think if I had just felt a little more of those, Oh yeah. If I had felt a little more of those in there, it, it would have probably pushed it over the edge. Still, that being said, I rated it very high. The commentary cutting in and out hurt as a fan, but it's not their fault at all. Um, that definitely had a lot of issues on commentary, but in this match specifically, it was like Kevin Kelly would just drop out, out for a while. Um, and that kind of sucked. Um, yeah, super over with the crowd, really damn good match. Hell of a main event, best match on the card. In my opinion, I went four and a quarter. Um, not great, but very good. Um, where are you at on it? Uh, the pageantry and big fight feel for main events in new Japan is very unique to that promotion. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the sheer presentation and the aura behind it, I think is unmatched in its own way. I do feel like this particular matchup needed some more time before they brought it back. And I, like, I think we've seen it too many times in too short a time span, and mm-hmm. therefore it kind of decreases some of the value of it. I do agree that they're top-tier stars. I just feel like I've seen the match before and recently, and commentary sold the feud well when you could hear them. The yeah. uh, it, I think towards the last like five or so minutes of the match, you could really see some deep cuts from both guys' movesets that mm-hmm. helped a lot of the pageantry behind the story. That helped it out for me a lot. Uh, finishing with the Rainmaker helped it out for me a lot. It's a little over half an hour, which is pretty long in a lot of different contexts, but not for New Japan, really. Yeah, uh, I I went three and a half. I mean, I, it just there was something that wasn't that didn't quite click on that level to me. But mm. I mean, the end was really exciting, and I, yeah. at the end of the day, these two are never going to have a bad match. Right. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. A couple other notes about the show. Obviously, they announced Best of Super Juniors, which is cool because guys like Ace Austin and Alex Zane and Wheeler Yuta are going to be included in that, which I think is all are all really good opportunities for those guys. Yeah. yeah. Juice Robinson reveals that he joins the old Bullet Club, which yeah. they may start maybe starting to get a little diluted, but you know that's uh, is what it is. And then at the tail end, Jay White out with the big old bullet club pose to take us out of the show. You can kind of see where they're going with this. I mean, they're, they're trying to do the old bullet club sweep 
angle again. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean, I don't know. I think that uh Bullet Club is kind of they're in an NWO situation at this point. It's just way it's just it's so so far removed from what it originally was that it's not the Bullet Club at all anymore. And right. I think they'd be they'd be better off just rebranding it. I'm not saying even like break up the stable, like keep the staple going, but like stop doing Bullet Club. Stop just call it something else together altogether. I think you've you've milked uh that cow completely dry. Um yeah. so overall my rating is like a little over a little over two beers, like actually maybe just a little less than three, like maybe two and a half, two and three quarters at the most. I did feel like this is a subpar show, especially for New Japan. So, I mean, we've, we've only covered maybe a handful and the it, literally the entire existence of this this podcast. We probably covered maybe three or four New Japan shows. Um, and this was the worst of them for sure. Um, so, yeah, I gave it, you know, a little a little under average. What do you think about overall rating for this one? Mine would have hit right around two and a half averaging all my numbers so you know about the same yeah about About the same now let's get to some good old nostalgia my favorite part of the meat and potatoes at least um i'm dude i'm such a mark for 97 and i haven't seen i don't i genuinely like i have watched through like on the old network i'd watched through 96 and 97 specifically um but i always ended at wrestlemania 13 because I was just watching like, you know, the back and forth. So I don't think I'd ever actually seen this because I didn't. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't order the pay-per-view and I was yeah. probably like, I don't know, 12, maybe 13 at this point. So I hadn't didn't wasn't up to me <laughs> if I could order it or not. Um, but, yeah, let, let's get right into it. The opening here is uh, the, the, the classic Freddie Blassie promo open with him kind of narrating it, focusing on Taker and Mankind. Um, we still get Vince in the booth, um, and we still got the blue and gold logo. So we're right on that line between the attitude era and the new generation. Anything specific stick out to you when you think of like this era, where were you in life? 97 return of the taker type thing. I was watching these motherfuckers religiously, dude. (laughs) This was like my, I didn't really ask for much, uh, other than, Hey guys, I really want to, and the in your houses were a much easier sell because they were cheaper and they were shorter and it wasn't as much of an investment on time or money for the parents. But yeah, man, I mean, just this opener, I I immediately got the feels from the open package. I mean, and and the whole fireball spot and the whole thing. And I'm like, like, I don't know. We'll get into it later on at the actual match. But yeah, I thought it was great. Speaking of great, let's uh, let's see who kicks off this show. Match number one is the Legion of Doom versus Owen and Bulldog for the WWF Tag Team Championships. And listen, man, I mean, the Road Warriors, uh, this late 90s, early 2000s kind of run that they had was not the best for sure. They're definitely past their prime. Um, and they're, but they're clearly still very over. And I think Owen and Bulldog were definitely the best tag team in 97 in this company for sure. Um, and I actually felt like this was a really good match. I feel like this is a pretty good showing for the Legion of Doom compared to what they had done, you know, um, during this quote unquote attitude era, uh, transition. I was pleasantly surprised. Maybe it's just because I expected it to be trash. And when it was actually pretty solid, I was like, Oh damn. Like it was, I thought the false finishes were, were pretty solid. I liked the wrong man getting pinned. I liked that. I thought it was very well booked, especially to kind of hide the, the road warriors weaknesses, if you will, and kind of add the drama. I think it needed overall pleasantly surprised man above average i went three and a quarter on this one what do you think about it man i really really love this match I, nice. um, 
I loved going into it that the little kid in the LOD shoulder pads rocks a four. He's like, LOD, LOD. And then he rocks a four life on the, on the camera or whatever. And I'm like, this is the era we're in, folks. Like, this absolutely yes. rules. The, um, the whole angle of the Godwins going in, the little recap work I thought was great. Classic power versus finesse tag team match. Like, I, I, the whole thing back and forth was amazing. At first, I was a little taken aback because the avalanche power slam getting three count. And I was like, what, what, what? Like, this yeah. is fucking LOD. They ain't winning yeah. with no avalanche power slam. I was like, something's funny here. And then, of course, you know, second ref, pin wrong man, so on and so forth. Yeah. That whole back and forth was great. And then, obviously, shady shenanigans bred in for the DQ win for LOD, but they don't get the belts. I gave it four beers. Nice. I thought it was fucking great. Yeah, man. This is WWF being like, this is where they're fighting for their lives. So they're really trying. Uh, so every match kind of has a pretty decent story. Um, yeah, very, very happy. And like, honestly, watching this match first and thinking like, if you look at the card, it's like, oh, the best, the worst bell to bell has got to be this, this opener. But like the fact that it was pretty good, uh, gave me a lot of hope and really like helped my overall vision of the rest of the show. Uh, we did get doc Hendricks in the back with bulldog and Owen, uh, great promo, very nineties, but still great. Nonetheless, um, Pillman and Sonny plugged the hotline. Uh, it's kind of sad actually to, to see, kinda um, na- I mean, fuck. Like- oh, super, super cringy. Um, nation of domination, getting their big intro with PG 13, um, on the sticks, uh, Rocky Maivia getting some promo time in with Kevin Kelly and that's not good at all. Yep. Um, anything stick out to you here in these little backstage segments before the next match? Just the Sonny Pillman thing was so gross. And then, yeah, you know, obviously Rocky is, uh, a long way to go before he gets the, the seven bucks back, but it was, uh, I, you know, it was hilarious to watch. Though I mean, going back and watching this stuff just lends such a strange perspective to what would, you know, people would become later on. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, and the match here is Savio Vega versus Rocky Maivia for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Um, Farouk on commentary was hard. It was hard right. to listen to. Um, I mean, it's just a different climate that we live in now. And it's like, man, it was really pushing the race angle as hard as possible. Much different time for sure. The match itself was actually kind of mediocre. Uh, Rock just isn't ready. I mean, he's not he's not he doesn't hasn't quite got it figured out yet. Um, not necessarily the moves, but like the psychology of it. And Savio did his damnedest to like kind of guide him through it and like walk him through it. Um, and you know, no props to Savio, honestly, for getting it, the rating that it, that it got, the finish was just really weak too, but I will say the angle after it. So it's like the, the actual Rocky, my intercontinental title part that didn't really matter, but you know, the, the, the reforming or like the, the jumbling of the nation of domination, getting that little Ahmed Johnson, like angle in there on, on one of your B or sub pay-per-views. I think that's a really good use of time to kind of get your IC, you know, champ some shine. He goes over, but you also have this angle going. So your heels still kind of, there, there's enough interest there to keep, to keep, keep it going. what do you think about this match? Um, I rated it two and a half beers, by the way. I, I, I can't agree more about Savio, a bump machine who carried yeah. the entire thing. He had some really dope offense too. Yeah. Rock has these nerve holds that just look like he's like oh. trying to hold himself up. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of the wackest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> the, the heart punch is just the most heinous, the dumb fucking move that I've ever known. Like when I was a kid, I kind of geeked out about it for a minute just because I was wanted to justify that mean Mark Callis was a badass when he used it way back yeah. in the day. But yeah, it's some bullshit. 
I gave it one beer. Ahmed running out in sweatpants did not save this for me. He also says a bunch of super offensive shit about everybody in the nation. Luckily, half of America probably couldn't understand it because it's Ahmed, and he didn't really know yeah. how to speak clearly. But good God, I thought it was awful. I don't know. I th- I thought, like, if you're going to push the limit, you might as well just push it as hard as possible. I mean, because I thought Simmons on commentary was pushing it just as hard, too. He just oh, yeah, well, absolutely. I agree. So, I mean, it was what it was. Different times, for sure. I mean, this would never happen on even an indie show um, these days. But, yeah, man, let's keep it going. We got Ken Shamrock um, in an AOL chat room in the back <laughs> uh, with an obviously staged, like, hey, man, you check this out. <laughs> clack, yeah. clack, clack. It's like, what? What? What is this? Ah, it was terrible. Uh, Sable and Mark Merrill get an interview in the back as well. Um, that's not good at all. And then Road Dog sings his way to the ring as Jesse James with all of his frill. I have been listening to the new um, Road Dog podcast. I love it. It's actually my favorite thing out right now. Really good stuff. Obviously, my world has been the best thing since something to wrestle with, in my opinion, on the ad free network as well. So it's kind of cool to uh, be able to go back and give my own perspective on it based on where I was in life and how I felt about these characters being like 12 or 13 just as a wrestling fan. Um, I I remember specifically not having this pay-per-view and then seeing Raw the next day and being like, wait, wait, why is Billy Gunn with Honky Tonk Man when he like hit him like two weeks ago? Didn't make any sense. And since I didn't see this pay-per-view, it was like, wait, why? I don't know. It just, it felt really convoluted. Um, What did you think about this match though? This Jesse James versus Rockabilly? I mean, the gear alone on both guys is some of the most atrocious shit that I've ever seen. All this strutting and dancing and, you know, Jesse James could kind of convincingly do some of it. He's got that background, but poor Billy, them trying to get him to do that. I guess it was some kind of rockabilly shuffle type thing is what they thought he was trying to do, but it was real bad. James wins with a small package a little bit, you know, it it was a little too long for my taste, but I thought honky was fucking great. The crowd was just still dead from two fucked finishes, you know? Yeah. I gave it two beers. Yeah, I was slightly under you on this. I went one and three quarters. I wanted to like it, but it's like, dude, these dudes had no chemistry as opponents. Like, not one ounce of it. Together, in my opinion, I think they're one of the more underrated tag teams. I think that they, like, are bump machines, and I think that guys like Rock, guys like Stone Cold, they don't get over as big without the outlaws. I mean, nine times out of ten – at the end of those shows, the guys getting beat up were Billy and and Dog. I mean, so it's just, I mean, to to see them in this infancy stage was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, the match sucked. Uh, it just it it wasn't good at all. Um, one and three quarter beers for me. Um, in the back, we get Doc Hendricks peddling some gimmicks, which is nice. Um, and then Austin gets his promo in the back with Kevin Kelly and Gorilla Monsoon killer promo. I think this, uh, this version of Austin leading all the way up to WrestleMania 18 is the absolute best. Even when he was on top, it was good. It was very, very good, especially that whole 98, 99 run with rock and all that. It was very good, but I think the 97 super, super hungry beginning of stone cold. That was my favorite. Uh, as far as him on the mic, um, the commentary team intro for mankind and undertaker was great. Um, and I thought the package, the actual promo package for that feud was phenomenal as well. Um, and then the match here is Mankind versus The Undertaker. And for my money, this is probably my favorite Mankind-Taker match. I think it's like bell-to-bell, bell, one of my my favorite ones. It's super hard-hitting. Um, Foley was just taking crazy amounts of punishment at this point, really trying to prove himself. 
Um, and Taker sold significantly better for Mick in this match than I think any of the other matches. Um, it was just really good. Uh, the burn makeup was a little suspect at best, but Hey, that's wrestling. Um, I mean, Mick just works so hard, man. Um, this is peak bell to bell Foley too. I think his body still can take it. Um, and man, crowd was hot for it. Some massive, massive chair shots to the dome on both guys. And then the infamous, uh, head first table bump. I mean, it's legendary at this point. Uh, it's a clip that was shown for years and years and years. It's good stuff. It's a great match. I gave it four and a half beers. Um, what'd you think about it? Man, it was just excellently brutal work by both dudes. It got to sh- this whole feud got to show such a different side of Taker as well. And he's like bumping here like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Bumping hard. Yeah. The old school variation with the clothesline, which I know was kind of an accident, but still he pulled it off and it looked good. All the work on the outside with the guardrails and the table and the, the fucking glass pitcher getting shattered and stuff. I mean, it was just unlike anything you really saw on WWF TV at that time or for that matter, anybody's TV at that time. Yeah. So it just kind of made sense to highlight this. I mean, I hate that it wasn't the main, but I get what they did there with the storyline or whatever. But the even the subtle little notes, like after the urn shot and mankind's yanking the fucking hair out of his head and shit. And like, I don't know. There's just something about this era of that character that was particularly awesome, awesome to me. So good. I did also give it four and a half beers. Yeah, man. I mean, early mankind, I think is so underrated. Like, I mean, but I, I, I literally feel like mankind pre, which happens a little bit later this year, the 97, the, 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 the brief return of cactus Jack, it only happened like one time, I think for a few months. And then he came back and, and I don't know. Um, and like 99, right. Is that when he came back again for the, uh, Royal rumble 2000, that was like oh, nine to lead into Royal rumble 2000. Yeah, so I mean, I think that that early mankind was the best, and I I still think that's Mick Foley's best character. Period. I think that that was the best one for sure, especially the with with the promos and everything. He was just so believe. It's like so believable in such a hokey getup that like you you could put that guy if in that in that in that body in like now even with that same hokey gimmick, but if he delivered those kind of promos, it would be. It would still get over. I think it would oh, still yeah. work today. Um, super good. Um, we do get another promo in the back with Bret Hart, which is actually very, very good. I'm kind of, I'm kind of hit or miss on Bret Hart promos, but this one was really good, especially '97 heel Bret when he can just yeah. actually be who he really is, which is kind of an asshole. Um, it, it worked out really well. So um, the match here is Bret Hart versus Steve Austin, and it's a brawl. I mean. Both dudes went hard as hell. The tempo is super fast and hard hitting. I don't think these dudes could possibly have a bad match if they tried. Um, so this match was no different. It certainly wasn't at nearly as legendary as the I Quit match, but I did love um, the fault, the the finish essentially with with you know referencing their their I Quit match. I thought it was very very good. Uh, the sharpshooter thing, just icing on the cake at the end. Great match. I give it five beers. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, to me, a six pack was the the I Quit wasn't as good as that, but I still think this is probably. If you take that I quit match off the docket, this is the best match of 1997 thus far, in my opinion. I gave it five beers. I loved it. What do you think about it? So there's, you know, a lot to it. We, we get the classic monsoon sending Owen and dog to the back and all this other fun stuff. Uh, it was remarkably stiff. Psychologically speaking, I thought this was a masterpiece in terms of yes. just all the work on Austin's leg. Yeah. The shit with the knee brace later on, the chair to the knee, that whole deal. You know, Austin is working like a heel, but the crowd does not give a fuck. He is clearly the face. But he's, like, got a ball shot, and he's choking him with his wrist tape, and the crowd's for it, 110%, all for it, which is a testament to not only Austin, 
but a huge testament to Brett's work as a heel, in my opinion. I think that that's, you know, a big, yeah. big Oh, totally. Uh, brutal Brett bump into the rail. He took his corner bump into the damn bike rack, which I cannot imagine felt good. The, the whole finishing sequence, here's the deal. I wound up giving it three beers, despite the fact that I absolutely fucking love this match. The shenanigans with fucking Owen and Bulldog and that whole Loved thing. It. I'm like, dude, we have, what, four out of five fuck finishes or some shit on this show? Yeah. Like, we could have gotten a couple more clean wins or clean losses or however you want to say it at the beginning of the show, and this would have bothered me less. Okay, but that makes sense. It's just, I don't know. I liked it. I, I, I like the shenanigans, but yeah. Something about it got to me. But yeah, I gave it three. That's fair enough, man. That's fair enough. I mean, I rated it really high. I'm a big fan of this whole Brett um austin feud it's my favorite brett feud period um i mean that and obviously the 96 sean stuff was great um 97 sean stuff is probably even better but yeah man i well my overall rating for this one is above average especially for a in your house i give it uh three and a half beers overall as a show um yeah where are you at what do you think overall rating for this one mine hit three and a quarter three and a quarter well, uh, that's going to do it for us, and um, we'll see you on the flip side, Jesse. All righty. And we are back. Man, that show. You know, I mean, maybe it's just because it's me and, like, 1997, I'm just, like, have an obvious hard-on for that year. But, like, I don't know, man. This uh, this specific In Your House just hit me in the feels in all the right ways. I was pleasantly surprised with it. Sometimes these one-off In Your Houses kind of suck, and this one was uh, the, the tits, man. It was the cat's meow. Um Wex, what do you think? Hey, man, to be honest, anytime it's in your house that's named after a certain wrestler, it's usually pretty good. Like, those are the ones that usually hit. The Degeneration X one? Exactly. Rock good. Bottom. There's, yeah, Rock yeah, Bottom. Yeah. Those are both great. And this was, I mean, it was a pretty solid in your house. Like, if we're going to just talk about, like, pure wrestling, like, the in-ring work, I'm going to go New Japan all day. But like you said, the nostalgia, the storylines of all that shit from 97, it's, it's kind of hard because – that New Japan show, I know, was long as fuck. I mean, it did have some good story stuff. You, you see Juice Robinson turning heel, joining the Bullet Club. Like, some pretty significant yeah. stuff going on there. But it's just really kind of hard to compete with that old school, you know, just that feel. Yeah. I mean, we call it Kate. We do we do the nostalgia shows for a reason, and that nostalgia hits good sometimes. So it does. It does. <sighs> it does. And honestly, I just I'm I, listen, guys. Like. People like New Japan, and that's cool. I, I, I just don't like that style. Like, it's just not for me. I don't like the presentation. It's just not my thing. And I, I, I like Japanese culture, but I just, I don't, I don't like New Japan, man. It just doesn't work for me. Um, every now and then we have some amazing matches in New Japan, but the shows, the way they're formatted, um, it's almost like they literally make a card where it's like the least important match to the to the most important match, like all of them in order. And so that just it leaves. It makes it makes it weird because then it's like if the second to last, you know, the semi semi main event just goes ham and claps, then like the next two matches are kind of like a left lingering with a hangover a little bit. And I think that was kind of the case with this New Japan show. And they're just too long, man. I mean, Jesus, four hours long for a pay-per-view. Golly. Well, then uh, maybe you will uh, like the Forbidden Door show coming up. That's going to be probably a more. AEW style book show, which fucking sold out in like 40 minutes. Yeah, of course. United Center, which is insane, but they've done it before. And like, did, did y'all really think some people, you know, talking shit online? Like, as you like, you're you're more of you're a hardcore wrestling fan, but still, you're not like big into New Japan. And they're talking about like yeah. casuals and stuff. And I understand, but dude, 
do y'all really think it wasn't going to sell at the United Center? Come on now. Right. Like, come the fuck on. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. People were I just, mean, you know, like, oh, this doesn't appeal to the casual fans and only men like it and all this bullshit. But, dude, right. yeah, everyone I mean, loves fucking wrestling. It's not like no one knows who New Japan is. If you're a Ring of Honor fan, you're probably an AEW fan. And yeah. Ring of Honor has been working with New Japan for fucking years. I have one of the old War of the Worlds DVDs from, like, 2014. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be more of that vein, like World of Worlds. But I mean, Worlds, New Japan but... has that long, long, long pedigree, too. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, New like, Japan has a WWE lengthy pedigree. Like, they've been around for forever. So, I mean, um, there's a Kurt certain Angle, level of Brock Lesnar, yeah. world champions. It's not like they have, yeah. like, AJ no, Styles, no yeah. scrubs out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Sapp was their champion, though, which was kind of weird at one point. That's when they were doing that hack MMA Omega. shit. Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, Nakamura. I mean, there's there's lots of good people. I mean... Tanahashi, Okada, Naito, yeah. That's just, we're, we're just talking about modern people though, and like yeah. you can even go back, you can go back farther than that. But like, not world champion, but you got Liger, Tiger Mask, like just so much history there. Yeah, man, so much history indeed. Um, I I didn't actually um, prep for this at all, um, but I guess we kind of have to do some kind of like trivia question here, right? So you know what I'm gonna go with? You know, we we had talked about we talked about shows. It, from Japan, um, what? Give me your number one show from like a quote unquote um, international promotion, whether it be like AAA or New Japan. Like if you had, if you had to say like this is what I liked, this is how I became a fan of this style of wrestling. What is it for you? Oh, for me, definitely, it would probably be Wrestle Kingdom. I want to say nine or ten. Okay. But the Young Bucks were in a three-way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championships, and that's like really when I was like starting to get into them. And it was a fucking really good. I think it was Red Dragon, and then maybe Forever Hooligans, which was uh, Alex Koloff and uh, Rocky Romero. It was his tag team before he had the one with Trent Beretta. Yeah, yeah. Forever I mean, hooligans. Like, I want to say those are the people who were, and like, it was just fantastic. That whole show. That's when Kenny Omega, I want to say, maybe joined the Bullet Club or had just joined. I mean, it was a great yeah. show. And that was the first, like, like old school Bullet Club. Like, AJ Styles had still in the Bullet Club at this point, I think, or he had just left, maybe one of the two. It's no, he was still in the Bullet Club. No, still in the Bullet Club at this point. Cause right after this, I will never forget there was a Ring of Honor TV around that time. Yeah. Where there was a match between like Matt Seidel and some other people against AJ and the Young Bucks, and they just had this overkill on Matt Seidel where they just did every fucking finisher. That was just that era got me into where I'm at today with my, you know, like fandom of Japanese wrestling and all that stuff, Ring of Honor. Yeah. I mean, for me, it wasn't really I never really got into any other international promotion, and that's like on me. But I just I mean, I I, I have hunted down every other like domestic promotion though. Like I've probably, I've seen tape, especially with just having like the network of like, you know, Smoky Mountain and UWF and Mid-South and, um, you know, USWA growing up here. And, um, you know, I, I try to seek out as much as I can. Um, I do remember watching a lot of the Calgary stuff on the network. So I guess that would technically be international, but I feel like it's saying Canada is just a little bit weirder, but I will say that they, there is a specific style that they kind of had, um, especially on those Calgary shows from like the mid eighties that did very much feel like, like the stampede um, wrestling. Yeah. Stampede. Yeah. 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 They kind of uh, had that more sport fast paced kind of feel. Yeah. It was almost, it was almost like 
it almost it was almost like it blended like the the speed of lucha libre but the technical side of like the british style of wrestling um so it it was very good i mean I feel like every different world has something to add to like the, you know, the melting pot that is professional wrestling. I think right now, obviously AEW and WWE are still on top, but it's exciting to see this, this mixture with new Japan and AEW kind of being able to blend and put it on in like a spotlight thing. I think it's a good thing for wrestling fans. I am excited about it. Yeah. Me too. It's going to be really fucking sick. I can't wait for the forbidden door. I can't wait for double or nothing. I am going yeah. to watch WrestleMania Backlash. You have to because uh, yeah, for the show. But I am yeah. looking forward to watching Backlash 2002 because that's a fucking yes. Fun. Yeah, next I am week. looking forward to that. Yeah, next week is WWF's Backlash 2002 going up against uh, WWE's WrestleMania Backlash 2022. So it will be very cool. I'm I like nitpicking this stuff because it's like they're both themed shows. You know what I mean? Like Backlash is a theme. It's kind of it's its own like vibe to it. And I, I'm going to be mo- most excited about like comparing how that vibe holds up 20 years later. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped about it, man. I'm O2 again. Like, I feel like we're just having a really good time trucking along in that storyline. And it's been a while actually now it's been almost a month since we've covered an O2 show. So yeah. And I'm pretty sure O2 backlash. Is that the one, at least that one a few years later where the logo had like the fucking sl- sites like going like that. Yeah, I think so. I think this yeah. is, the, or maybe it was O1. I just remember uh, that that style, like that era backlash. Good shit. Yeah. See, I mean, that's what I miss from these early 2000s shows specifically is that like every single arena looked so different. Like it was completely different every time and very thematic. And now it's just like you change the colors on the Jumbotron and that's all it is. You know what I mean? It's like the same exact setup as you always use for SmackDown or Raw or anything else. It's just very yeah. sterile. That's that's why it's cool that AEW, at least on their pay-per-views, they make it different from Dynamite. That's true. I'll give them that. That's true. That's true. I agree. I agree. But I, I feel like they could go a little bit more ham with that, in my opinion. But but uh, maybe they'll get you know, there. Th- maybe they will. Maybe they will. Two weeks from now, uh, we have a return of the Baker's Dozen. You know what? This thing has been a hit since it started. It was the uh, the underdog sleeper. All these Baker Dozen Baker's Dozen episodes are um, just knocking it out of the park. Um, I'm super hype about it. I love Jesse getting the spotlight in there and spotlighting the best in independent wrestling. Uh, two weeks from. Three weeks from today, it's uh, WWF In Your House, A Cold Day in Hell, 1997, going up against WCW Slamboree, 1997, and that's going to be the return of Jesse with the Wex on the meat and potatoes of that one. So, yeah, we got tons of really good stuff coming up for this month, man. We got tons of really good stuff. I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Very hyped for the month of May. April sucked. I hated that month, but I'm looking forward to May. Getting hyped about May. Getting hyped about May. Um, yeah, you can always find me at Daniel Daybreak. You can always find the show at KFabe.com on all the socials except for TikTok. It's at KFabe.com pod there. Uh, be sure to find us on YouTube as well. You can always find some decent little clips here and there. Um, yeah, Wex, give them the script, baby. Where can they find you? You can always find your boy Wex at Wex Breaking the Lawson on all of your social medias except Facebook because I'm kind of laying low key. And, uh, you know, I want you all to keep up with that kayfabe comparisons. TikTok and the YouTube, just like you said, TikTok usually has more videos. Uh, YouTube uses more of the news, maybe some more special things here and there. But TikTok is where it's heavy, where it's active. So uh, get on there. Holler at us. We're, we're glad to do some interactions. We're loving it. We are loving it. McDonald's, baby. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace.